0: Back in 2016 I was in Virginia and my mom had gone through a pretty messy breakup At the time but we made the most of it by doing what we did, like hiking. She introduced me to her friend and her husband and children. Which one was a female my age cute girl. Off topic. It was a trail in the Blue Ridge part of the Appalachians. That day we were going to do old rag but got there too late. During some points we would all be split up and sometimes I would be way back or way front. With this experience I was way in front of everyone even the dog. Off topic again. One part of the trip we had stopped and rested at an overlook. Then we went on our way. We were about another I say 15 to 30 minutes into it and I was way ahead. I remembered warnings from signs my mom, her friend, her husband, and another person that there was bears. But what I heard that day wasn't a bear. It walked on two legs and I was too far in front of everyone for it to be them. Besides I would have heard the dog walking too since the cute girl was walking it behind me. I felt the sense of being watched when I heard the leaves crunching I believe in Bigfoot and the paranormal and I'm up for suggestions on what it was it could have been Bigfoot or the rake I'm into all that folklore. I've got more stories that I wanna share I just gotta get my internet shell off. I always try to be on high alert, but this is not only because I'm often in the woods but then I'm also often by myself. And people are known to do some pretty dumb things out here. I want to be out here to keep them safe. For the most part, this is routine. People, though, for the most part are generally well behaved when they're out camping, but sometimes things can get weird. On this occasion, it started off as normal enough. I was by myself, patrolling the campsite during the night, not really expecting anything to happen. I was looking up at the sky and I saw something that caught my attention, but whatever it was was moving along the tree line. I didn't think much of it at first. I assumed it was maybe some sort of animal or bird, but as I watched, it became clear that it wasn't an animal at all. This was some sort of hideous creature, probably not an animal I've ever seen before. It was tall and gaunt long arms and a very thin frame. I could make out some sort of hair, but it was too dark to determine this thing's color. It had a long snout like that of a wolf or a dog, eyes that glowed dimly green. Its legs were incredibly long, and so the stride was almost comical as it walked away. I was terrified beyond belief by its sight, but I didn't want to show myself until it came closer. Even though this thing seemed to be headed towards the campsite, I couldn't leave everybody at my site vulnerable. I waited until about 10 feet from the camp before I stood up from my hiding place, firing a shot into the air. It stopped dead in its tracks as if it were confused as to what I was doing. I think it also realized there were humans at this campsite now, and we were all very vulnerable. It paused for a moment before it turned and ran back the way it came, towards the tree line. I fired another shot, but this one missed. I was too panicked to aim properly and I got away with whatever mischief it had in mind. I woke up the rest of the campers, told them what had happened. I only saw it for a few seconds, but it's burned into my memory like a brand. That thing, whatever I shot at, was pure evil. I never went out patrolling alone at night ever again after this. I'm a 16-year-old dude, and this happened a few weeks ago. I'm fairly chill and I just live with my grandfather on the east side Kentucky, barely above the Tennessee line. I'm a big guy and typically I don't do anything particularly bad. I don't smoke, I don't dip, I don't even drink. To be clear my grandfather is 76 and has just about beaten some type of leukemia. I'm a welding nerd also, it's the thing I enjoy most at school. Sometimes when I can't sleep, or I wake up in the middle of the night, I put on some clothes and go outside to my shed. My shed is really a spare two-car garage with metal working equipment inside. I find the sound of the arcs pleasing to my ear while I'm tired and it can help me ease my mind, as I'm a nervous person to begin with. Now if you're not familiar with Eastern Kentucky, it's like a bowl, mountains surround you 360 and thing like coyotes and snakes are common to see rummaging about at night. They don't really scare me because the path to my shed is well lit and concrete. I have a few windows in the building, all but two are broken out from stupid shit I did as a little kid the inside of the shop is actually brighter than my bedroom. There's plenty of light so I turned my ventilation on, set up my welder and started welding on some scrap metal to practice the 3F position aka vertical welding, with the smell process. I do this a lot and no one really minds as my ventilation system is rather quiet and you'd have the hearing of a bat to notice it in another house. I'm sat there in my metal stool and something is wrong. I'm a pretty talented welder by nature, it comes as natural to me as breathing, so when my welds looked shaky and there was spatter everywhere, I knew something was wrong. My welder was set right, so I hadn't bumped it with my knee when welding. I heard something, like a cow bell, my neighbor has a cow in his yard so I figured she got out, it happens a lot. So I looked outside and didn't see her. Anywhere. This isn't a calf, this is a nearly full-grown cow, that weighs upwards of 1,200 pounds, they don't just vanish into thin air. I checked another window and I could barely see anything. My shed may be bright but the trees block most of that light at night, but I did see something. Now I kinda wish and hadn't seen if. It was deformed, weird and long, it had fur, so I thought I was just looking at a coyote pack but no. This thing was too big to be a coyote. Or a wolf, and too skinny to be a bear. Imagine a stereotypical Bigfoot, and starve him that's what this looked like. Somehow it was more greasy and horrible than I first thought. I turned my welder off and then ran back into my house, I grabbed a flare gun and headed back outside. Looking back on this I really don't know why I didn't grab my grandfather's rifle, I have a hunting permit and this thing is on my property. Somehow in my head shooting a flare at it was the best idea since inventing electricity. So I opened the window and shot a flare at the thing. I don't think I regret anything more than I regret that. It looked up, and its face was horrifying, like a bulldog, its face was scrunched up and small, protruding out just enough to notice, and to make it all worse it was on a big round head. It looked at me, howled a screech and ran, I guess the flare was as scary to it as it was to me. I found out that my neighbor's cow had had the bell stolen off of it and been scratched deeply in the neck, back, and the legs. I told everyone about what I saw. And what worries me now is that another neighbor of mine claims to have seen it too. It took a chicken of his. In 1947 I was heavily involved with the military and I was also a pilot. I was assigned to work with an intelligence unit located right at the Pentagon. I was only 19 at the time, just out of high school. I was very idealistic, and I wanted to serve my country. I remember all the major newspapers and media outlets were talking about flying saucers. The news was all over the place about how these UFOs were appearing in the skies. Nobody was able to get them on radar though. It was simply pandemonium, as some people thought it was the Russians, some people thought it was Sputnik. The media spread all kinds of crazy theories that were way ahead of their time. Most people thought these flying saucer things were some kind of top secret government project, but they weren't sure what the government was actually doing about it. It didn't help that just months later in 1948, the USS Macon had crashed into the Pacific Ocean, and the story broke that the Navy had been flying around and apparently giant airships they also crashed and it was never fixed, but we managed to keep it a secret for some time. In the meantime, The Pentagon told all of us that our job was to keep watching these things. They were always appearing somewhere, the stories were all over the place, but most of them were coming out of the southwest. I remember my commanding officer telling us that if we spot one of these things, to abandon our post, do not engage. If we were in a war zone, the order was to shoot first, ask questions later, like the recording in the transcript. It was a very stressful time. I remember your typical media outlets having a field day. Since there was no internet, you can turn on the radio, you'd hear all kinds of wild theories and explanations about what these things could have been. I was assigned to do lots of research and analysis at the Pentagon. Most of what we were doing involved watching for saucers and checking out the military's radar systems. We were told to be on the lookout for attacks from Russia or any other Soviet-affiliated countries. I didn't see a flying saucer myself until 1952. It was one of the most frightening experiences that I had during my entire tenure in the military. I was in the Air Force at the time, I had only about 23 or 24 years old. I was stationed in a small base near Area 51 in Nevada. I was still working with the same unit, but now it's much smaller. We had our own little compound on the base, that's where we constructed all of our work. The base didn't even have a name, so we called it S-4, and that's how everybody would refer to it. At the time, we only had around six or seven people, including our commanding officer. The UFO stopped appearing after 1952 because we apparently figured out how to catch them on radar using special technology. The media had stopped talking about them for a time, but things began to heavily escalate shortly before Vietnam. Many years later, there was another incident in 1959, a military cargo plane had crashed into a remote section of the Sierra Nevadas. The wreckage was spread out across the mountains, and we had to do all kinds of intense field work to track every piece down. The Air Force informed us that these things weren't from Earth, what was on that plane we had to secure the scene as best as we could. I was only a first lieutenant at the time and didn't really know much about these things until we began receiving orders from Washington that we had to abandon any and all posts until we found out what these objects were. I was interrogating one of the survivors from the crash, he was the only one who knew anything. He told me he didn't remember much about where they came from, but it wasn't of this universe. He had a lot of injuries, and he was banged up pretty badly. We were told by our commanding officer to bring him back to the base at S4. When I got to the base, I saw that the other officers were guarding an alien body that had crashed into the ground somewhere. It looked like a huge insect but with two arms that were attached to its torso. It had a small hidden body covered in hard chitin. It was very scary looking, but it had been dead for several hours. We didn't have to worry about it attacking us. Turns out this was a cargo plane carrying the bodies of aliens down towards Mexico. I got a chance myself to look at the body when my commanding officer told me about what the alien survivor had said. He explained that these things were very real, whatever they were, they were definitely not from Earth origin, and the government had known about these things for a long time. Even the survivor who I won't name was actually the second person on record to talk about them. It made me wonder if there was a survivor from the crash I found who's willing to spill the beans, and many of us in the military at the time referred to them by the others. They were very technologically advanced, so much so they could have wiped us off the face of this planet if they'd really wanted to. We were in a cold war with them, after all. We've been sending in our transmissions into space for decades now. The signals we put out are very specific and include everything from mathematical equations to images of our solar systems. We've been doing it for a long time, so essentially telling them exactly where to find us as a part of our project. In 1965, we had a horrific incident at one of our undisclosed locations underneath Chicago. We had a secret foreign technology testing facility. Several subjects had begun to mutate including some of the workers that were exposed to hazardous chemicals. The strange thing about this incident is that there were no survivors. There were several bodies of military personnel that were found in the aftermath of this incident. We eventually pieced together what happened between some bodies and a few survivors, but it was too late to save them all. The ones that were mutated became stronger, faster, and much more resilient. They had increased their mass beyond what we could really understand. Thankfully our cleanup crew was able to handle it all before things got too out of hand. I know it sounds terrifying, but our military was capable of handling them. Since the 1970s came, things changed for the worse. They were pushing for bigger, more unethical projects, intermixing human DNA, advanced bioweaponry, And all sorts of experimentation really began happening. Our military technology at the time had increased exponentially as well. We were told that we would have our own alien technology within the next few years. I had started working on these few projects but had some moral issues with some other stuff they were doing. I heard about horrific experiments on human beings, but our superiors kept telling us it had to happen for the sake of the country. We began to notice that UFOs were being sighted more frequently right around military bases, and it got to a point where most of our technology was being crushed by superior alien forces. We had this massive accident in 1979 that took a massive toll on both our military and their technology. The incident had occurred in 1979, and it was just after the Iranian revolution where they gained control of our embassy and capturing our people. The technology we had at the time was enough to cause some pretty bad damage but not as much as it could have been. Of course, this was all just the beginning. They had more technology than what we were able to understand, intimidating us into surrendering whole countries to them without firing a single shot. We were literally at their mercy, not having enough firepower to really cause any damage. This, of course, all happened under the table beyond the sight of the public eye. There are only ever a handful of people right now alive that even have knowledge of this, besides whoever decides to read this. It is the moral obligation of every single person to spread this information. The others were very much real, and this is all very true. The experiences that I've shared with you today have changed my life forever. I have so much more I can share, but I figured it's best to break these up into smaller posts. So, I'm going to end this here. I'll see you in the next one. In the heart of Eastern Europe, deep within the thick forests, I found myself on a covert mission as a CIA agent. My objective was to gather crucial intelligence about a secret Russian military base hidden in the wilderness. It was a high-stakes operation, and the risk was immense. As I ventured deeper into the unknown territory, the dense woods seemed to hold secrets of their own. One evening, while carefully navigating through the undergrowth, I stumbled upon something that defied explanation. There, amidst the trees, stood a creature unlike anything I had ever encountered before. It was on all fours, with black and matted fur that seemed to absorb the surrounding shadows. Its face resembled that of a wolf but there was an oddity to it, the broadness and slightly shortened muzzle set it apart. As I observed the creature, it curled its lips in an eerie manner, giving the impression of an elongated snout. Its eyes were a haunting shade of yellow, not the bright yellow of the sun, but a dim, amber-red hue. It sent shivers down my spine just to look into those mysterious eyes. The creature's ears bore resemblance to that of a husky, cropped and alert, Its front legs were long and muscular, resembling those of a powerful bodybuilder. The paws at the end of its limbs were not like any animals, they looked more like massive hands with sharp claws that seemed capable of tearing through anything. Then, the unexpected happened, the creature stood up, and I heard a horrifying sound, like the popping of joints, but magnified as if played through a loudspeaker. My senses were overwhelmed as I tried to comprehend the enormity of the being before me. It stood so tall that even at a safe distance of 10 meters, I felt dwarfed in comparison. My heart raced as I realized that this enigmatic creature was far beyond anything I had ever witnessed in my years of service. It let out a powerful howl, which resonated through the forest like a deafening roar. I remained frozen in awe and disbelief my training momentarily forgotten in the face of this encounter. The creature seemed to tower over me, its ears almost reaching the top of a young cedar tree nearby. I knew I had to act fast, but my rational mind struggled to comprehend what I had just witnessed. The creature seemed to be both wolf and something else entirely, and its escape only deepened the confusion and worry in my heart. I retreated from the scene, my mind racing with questions and doubts. Back at my temporary base, I couldn't shake the memory of the unknown creature from my mind. I knew that what I had seen was far beyond any conventional explanation. My training had prepared me for many things, but this encounter had shaken my understanding of the natural world. I decided to keep my observation to myself, fearing that sharing such a surreal story might be met with skepticism or even ridicule. Instead, I focused on my mission determined to gather the crucial intelligence needed about the Russian military base. As the days passed, I couldn't help but feel a sense of unease, knowing that something extraordinary lurked within the Eastern European woods. The encounter with the mysterious creature remained an enigma, and I couldn't shake the feeling that my mission had become entangled with forces far beyond human comprehension. The covert operation continued. And I was successful in acquiring the intelligence needed by the CIA yet, I couldn't forget the creature that had left me puzzled and awestruck. It was a secret I would carry with me, forever etched into my memory as a reminder that there were still mysteries in the world waiting to be unraveled. In July 1976, my wife and two children ages 12 and 7, and I moved across the Oregon-Cascade mountain range from Corvallis, Oregon to Sisters, Oregon. At the time Sisters was a small mountain range. I was so naive as to forest management I didn't know there were designated areas to get firewood. During a Saturday in late October, we were running low on kindling, So we decided to go south as sisters about 12 miles alongside the road where there was a large growth of 2 to 3 inch diameter trees with many blow downs on the ground. We figured they would be easy to collect and sew up and load into our vehicle trunks. The morning was chilly high 20s low 30s so about 8 am we bundled the kids and ourselves and headed out in our two car caravan. Arriving at our spot we pulled off the road and got busy. The only tool I had was a small bow saw. While my family gathered the poles I began sawing. We quickly loaded my wife's trunk, and she took the kids and headed back to town. Once they were gone I started sawing wood to load in my car but after a couple of minutes every hair in my neck arms and spine stood up I could. I felt I was in danger and that I should leave. There was no mind speak, just an intense feeling that I was in danger and needed to leave. I also knew something had eyes on me. I immediately stood up as my gaze was drawn to a downed tree about 40 feet away. It had snapped about 4 feet off the ground and been there a while as weeds and branches were obscuring any sight underneath the tree. I studied that tree briefly looking for something out of place, but I saw nothing and then slowly did a full 180 turn looking for any sign of any indication of an animal in the vicinity. I saw nothing. I later learned I should have looked up into the trees, but it never occurred to me then I tried to forgive myself for an overactive imagination. So I knelt back down, and I got back to work. Almost immediately the hair again stood up and those feelings and thoughts came back, so I repeated the slow turn looking for signs something was out of place nothing again. I studied the down tree to see if I could see anything behind it. There was nothing there. I brushed it off as imagination. I said out loud to myself if anyone or anything else is there, then all right I got the message. I'm leaving. It took me two trips to get all the wood and my saw to the car. Once loaded I went to the driver's side door, took one last look around, started the car and left. I never saw heard or smelled anything unusual or out of place. The following Monday when I went to get the kids from the babysitter I must have said something to her. Her husband is part of Native American and at the time was a heavy equipment operator for the Forest Service. Three days later when I went to collect the kids Bill was home. I'll call him Bill, it's not his real name. He was known for being a straight shooter. I stopped at the picnic table and said hi, and he said to get some iced tea or coffee and come back to talk to him. When I returned he immediately asked me to tell him what happened the Saturday before. As I told him he asked if I knew what it was that bothered me. I told him I didn't know. I figured it must probably it was a cougar, a bobcat, or a bear. He smiled. He asked, did you check the trees above you? I shook my head no. You should have. Then Bill said something about a non apex predator giving a warning before attacking. I thought for a minute and replied, so what do you think it was then? He asked. Could it have been a Bigfoot? I thought he was joking, so I laughed and said something to effect that I believed they could be real but that they were probably myths or folk tales. For the next hour plus he related his personal experiences with the people of the forest. Here is one of his stories. Bill was on a job site in Washington state using a D8 cat. He was on the side of the mountain when he stopped for lunch. Where he stopped there was a 600- to 700-foot cliff drop-off on his right. He sat on the edge of the cat with his legs dangling over the track to eat and enjoy the scenery of the valley below. As he took a bite of his second sandwich he heard a faint noise behind him, but on the other side of the cat. He turned to look and to his surprise his face was about 18 inches away from a huge Sabe that was leaning on the track looking at him with a faint smile on its face. He said he knew he was in no danger, and he felt no fear. For some reason that morning he had asked the place he was staying at to pack an extra sandwich for his lunch. He slowly reached into his lunchbox, grabbed the sandwich, unwrapped it and held it out to his new friend. The Sabe took it, ate it in one bite, pushed off the track, gave a slight grunt, and turned and walked up into the woods, giving him one last look. After hearing all his encounters, I left their house that night, a firm believer in the forest people. I was on my golf cart by myself and it was completely dark outside and quiet. I live in a neighborhood surrounded by farmland in rural Michigan and woods throughout various spots. I was driving, but pulled over because this giant beetle was on my shirt. It pinched me and freaked me out. I pulled over next to a stretch of woods and struggled to get it off of me. In the woods nearby I heard walking, like perhaps a deer walking around, so I wasn't scared. Yet, the sounds got louder and closer. The walking had gotten so loud it sounded unreal, something out of Jurassic Park, like a dinosaur stomping. The walking had gotten overwhelmingly loud and extremely close so I slammed on the gas and hurry out of there. I looked behind me but couldn't see anything, but felt shivers down my spine because I swear it was inches behind me. Not sure if this has anything to do with it, but I was talking about skinwalkers with my sister and doing some research, so I hope that didn't invite anything. But I can't even describe how loud the stomping was. It sounded unreal and was seriously terrifying. I wasn't too sure what it could have been, but many people are saying it was probably a windigo, and I do believe this is, they can get up to 15 feet tall, which would explain why the stomping was very loud perhaps. Good evening, fellow enthusiasts. Let me start by validating my credibility first. I've been monitoring the crypt side for a good 15 years now, have a degree in zoology, and a master's focusing specifically on herpetology, study of reptiles and amphibians, for the newcomer. This academic background has greatly contributed to my pursuit of the known and the unknown. What I'm about to share is a living testament to my adventures in the dark corners of our world. And before I roll the dice on this, know that this is not some drunken tall tale. During the event, I was unadulteratedly sober, senses sharpened by the austere seaside chill. Yesterday, I had a harrowing encounter, the likes of which I've never encountered in my generous stretch of experiences, facing the elusive nags head beach creature. The moon was in complete authority, stars stubbornly shrouded behind the thick shroud of clouds. As the tide surreptitiously slid in, I saw, or rather sensed something. A mere flicker at the corner of my vision, something that required peripheral acknowledgement. A fleeting shadow, a passing chill, an abrupt indent in reality. This being, the Nag's Head beach creature, much like many obscure curiosities we study, appreciates the solitude of night. Nocturnal engagements are its preferred encounters, lingering in the periphery, solidifying its ghostly essence. A mystery etched in the sands of Nag's Head, always visible from the sides, yet vanishing to thin air the moment direct contact is attempted illusory you might say but not when you've heard it the sound that threads chills through your spine the creature in its movement spoke a peculiar language an alien like slithering rustle a a chick a if you will an uncanny sound clawing up your consciousness it was akin to the whispers of nighttime wind through desolate dunes or the uneasy scuttle of a crustacean against washed-up seashells, a serpentine orchestra only the Nocturne listens to. Now, about its tracking signature, footprints you wouldn't expect. They were digital, formed of an enigmatic static that pulsed before disappearing into the soothing waves. Ghostly lit specters on the sand left behind by its passing, as if the beach obliquely hummed with the static discharge of this creature. A modern mystery misaligned from anything we perceive as typical. And God forbid, should you strive to photograph this elusive entity, for it would defy the set attempt in an uncannily digital way again, rendering itself only a three-pixel smudge in any photo. An undefined form, yet mysteriously defined by its defiant resistance to be perceived. After the encounter, my mind whirled with theories and speculations, this creature's nature its ethereal presence, and its disembodied essence felt otherworldly. Pondering my experience, the possible explanation that eventually crystallized was dubiously paranormal. I believe that what I encountered was not a creature bound to the three dimensions we live in. It might be our first contact with a creature of the fourth dimension. The digital footprints, the confounding three-pixel apparition, And the ephemeral perceptibility all lead to an elusive creature that exists in a higher order of spatial existence only partially interfacing with our three-dimensional space-time reality a being transparent to us living a parallel life wrapped in the splintering silence of the nags head night this is our world the crypt side a melting pot of varied realities countless oddities and incomprehensible encounters This was my encounter with the elusive nags head beach creature, an experience that tipped my skeptically academic life to a pondering, fear-churning paranoia. But isn't that why we're here? To chase the unknown and expose the veiled truths? Because, in the end, isn't that the very soul of cryptozoology? Stay curious, stay brave, and keep your mind open. Near Strasbourg, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, August 1978, afternoon, three Amish men were working in their field when a strange-looking man approached them from a neighboring farm. The man was yelling and jumping about. The Amish men were alarmed and noticed that this man had arms, legs and a face that seemed different, more animal than human. He had coarse dark hair on his limbs and face and wore dark and tattered boxer shorts. As the man-creature approached closer, he yelled something but it was not understood by the men. The men ran towards their house. The man-creature was behind them. One of the Amish men ducked into the dairy barn and the other two immediately entered the house. An elderly Amish woman who had been in the garden came to see what was taking place on. When the man-creature saw her, it stopped running, sat down on the grass and stared at the sky. The men came out of the house and one slowly walked over to the man-creature and attempted to talk to it. The man-creature continued to look at the sky but muttered. The man and woman noticed that a horrible stench permeated from this creature, described as rotting flesh. After several minutes, the creature got to its feet and walked towards the dairy barn. As it did, witnesses noticed that the creature was fading away. Eventually it vanished from view just before it reached the barn. Shocked, the Amish witnesses dropped to their knees, not knowing what they had witnessed. At the time this happened, I lived near St. Louis, Missouri with my daughter and my husband. My daughter, her friend, and I had gone to a local mall to do some shopping before school started. We were walking out of one of the stores, and there were some people walking in at the same time. I happened to glance up and notice one of the women walking in. Her true face, it shone through her human skin. It was the face of a brown horse with the shape of the horse's head morphed under the woman's long dark hair. When she noticed that I saw her true form, she snapped her head around and stared at me as I walked away. I was telling my daughter and her friend what I saw, and what was happening, but they just laughed and did not believe me. Please tell me someone else has seen something like this and I am not the only one. I can't forget what I saw that day. I wish I could draw but I can't. Please, someone tell me that they are seeing something like this. It was at the Chesterfield Mall in Chesterfield, Missouri in 2012. I have experienced many paranormal encounters in the past, but this one is near the top of the list. The only times I have ever smell anything were the few times I smell cinnamon all around me while no one else did. It happened in my home as well as in bars. And in the car. I have also smell a strong odor of cigarettes around me. Others could smell it in our home. None of us smoke and all windows were closed. My son and three other men were over a mile off the main road on the Cape Fear River fishing all afternoon just before dark my son wandered into the woods to maybe spot deer feeding in the afternoon. I decided to walk up the two rut muddy road thick woods on both sides to the main road because fishing was slow. The guys had a fire right on the river bank, and so I told them I will be back in a while. As I was walking along the road I was hearing lots of scurrying in the woods on both sides I had no flashlight and thought man there are a lot of deer around because this area is known for lots of wildlife. As I made it along I was unnerved at the sounds in the forest, so I found myself steady looking to maybe see what I thought was deer and maybe it was. The woods were really dark the road leads to a field which is maybe 200 yards or more wide just short of the main road as I came up on the hill to the edge of the field I was shocked to see three large orange balls moving down towards the ground and towards myself, and they stopped just over the trees maybe a mile away or closer and hovered there. I knew it was not natural I am a commercial pilot and I know aircraft. I stood in shock thinking this cannot be real. I stayed maybe 10-15 to minutes then began to feel nervous, so I made my way back to the man on the river in a hurry mud and all. I then in a panic took off looking for my son which was 17 years old at the time and as I started into the woods calling him he came towards me totally shaken telling me dad you will never believe me, but I have been hiding from aliens I am scared they are in the woods and I believed at that time he had seen something he was serious. I told him Junior I just saw 3 orange UFOs up at the road, and it scared me, so I came looking for you. We made it back to the river and my son excited began to tell the other 3 men what he had seen, and they started on the both of us. What I did not know was the 3 of them saw the same thing as my son during that time the sequence I am not sure, but we all saw the same. It was a clear cold night stars were bright and about that time one of the other men holding a fishing pole hollered look up and to all our amazement the stars looked as if six to eight of them from different parts of the sky moved very fast seeming to converge in a group and then all of a sudden three of the objects side by side came over our heads and landed or went out of sight on the other side of the river maybe two to four hundred yards away all three lights were round bright white blinding lights as big as maybe 100 yards in diameter all side by side all touching down or going out of sight in the forest just on the other side of the river. It scared all of us so bad the three friends of mine along with my son and me dropped our fishing poles screaming let's go home. We left fire poles and all speeding up the muddy road to the main road each one in a panic some of the men were fussing take me home first I need to find my wife and children. When we made it to the top of the hill this is where the trees on both sides end and the field starts I slammed on the brakes all of us in shock to see what looked like a, brilliant white egg-shaped sphere with a tail with long spikes all around the middle and front section hovering 20 feet over the main road 200 yards from us, and it looked as if it or the spiked part of it was making slow revolutions. This I tell you this is true four grown men as old as 50 and my 17 year old son was frozen in my truck looking at this thing straight in front of us the lights were brilliant white the object then appeared to raise up started down the road in the direction that we intended to go and then it shot off just over the trees out of sight. The three orange balls were no longer there. All five of us were terrified. We raced to Donnie's home first. He ran to the door his wife came out. And we all told her of the story and were all looking at the sky gene who was 50 years old lived next door we ran him home and then raced to david's home his wife came out to meet us and all of us witnessed strange lights over the trees behind his home my son and i started home to see cars stopped alongside of the road looking at the same lights We made it home and was terrified trying to calm down we found ourselves sitting in what we call as the red room which is my private study off of my bedroom on the rear of the home staring out the window at the sky. I live on 6 acres of land, and we have a large dog kennel just in the woods behind my home and a Chesapeake Bay Retriever which lives on my back steps a guard dog she lets us know if anything from a person to a squirrel is on our property. We were home maybe 4 hours calmed down a lot no TV didn't have one at that time I guess it was around 1-2am to 2 a.m. and there was a noise that sounded sorta like a prop jet flew treetop high over the house I ran outside and could see nothing. Within 30-45 to 45 minutes all the dogs in the kennel were roaring they are all hounds, and they will tell you when there is something there that is not supposed to be. At that time my retriever was going crazy hair standing up on her back barking towards the kennel. My son was scared, but I convinced him to go with me to see what had the dog stirred up. My son and I opened the door and the retriever took off you see she most of the time will not leave the patio unless I go out if she is stirred up. There was frost on the ground didn't even have shoes on we took off behind her, and she ran just behind the kennels and all the dogs were roaring, and she was hair standing up barking at something in the bushes along with all the other dogs in the kennel. And then she took of after whatever it was and so my son and I ran back down the road that leads to the kennel to my backyard at the very rear of the property trying to cut off whatever it was she was chasing. When I got to the blueberry hedge row which at the very rear of the property she was still the dog making her way to me in a roaring like panic. At that time I stopped not really scared but kinda numb to see this max of 4 tall creature person alien staring at me. It looked as if it had a clear glass-like covering around it. It appeared to have a faint glow of red and black the face I could not see anything but what looked like it had a red set of goggles and a black or dark covering over the lower part of its face sorta like a mask. The body appeared to sorta glow. I can probably draw it better than explain it. It then disappeared just as my son and the dog got right up on it and my son then told me you see I am not crazy this was the same description as he told everyone. I will not go into detail but my son and I were committed to an insane asylum by our family because they really thought we were crazy. We were released within two days and then my father came to me and apologized when he said he had heard on the radio and the news that lots of people had been seeing strange lights and that the government reported that a Soviet satellite had fallen that same night. I am 45 years old with four children churchgoer retired builder and commercial pilot. I have been ridiculed committed along with my son and oppressed to say anything. But I know what I saw. And four other men will say the same I have been since hooked on UFO files trying to find others that have had the same experience. I will take a lie detector be hypnotized whatever to bring the truth to the public. My son and the other three men all saw the same and have their own accounts. I like exploring derelict houses. There is a lot of development where I live so there are a few empty houses awaiting their fate at any given time. Right now I can think of four within walking distance of my house. One night I visited an old farmhouse from the 1850s. It was in quite good condition but sadly was about to be demolished for a new housing estate. I usually go alone but this time I brought my wife with me to see if she would like it. I had briefly been in the house before but wanted to go back to have a proper look for anything I could save before the bulldozers arrived so I was carrying a pry bar. I am always cautious that I could disturb squatters or vandals, it hasn't happened yet and I have been in at least 50 houses, so I did a quick look through the house and propped a chair behind the front door as the lock mechanism had been taken. The side door was open but I figured that if someone walked in that way I would hear the crunch of the broken glass on the floor. We were standing in the kitchen and we clearly heard footsteps walking through the dining room towards the kitchen. My wife freaked out so I held the pinch bar up and walked towards the dining room door saying yes, can I help you? Which I figured was defiant enough to let whoever it was know that I wasn't scared of them, which may or may not have been the case. The dining room was empty. The noise stopped and the only sound I could hear was the flapping of the roller blind in the wind due to the broken window. See, it was just the blind I said, banging the blind against the window to prove my point. The wife was not convinced and practically dragged me out of the house. We jumped in the car and she locked the doors. It wasn't the blind she said. It sounded different. I heard footsteps. She was right, I later went back to the house alone and returned with some nice French doors which, after a lot of restoration work, are now part of my own house. Weeks later Cariña Cottage was demolished in a zero-salvage demolition and replaced by 97 tiny new houses, all of which looked the same. Back in the late 80s my father was stationed at a base in central California that is no longer an active base, but all the building and housing are still there, but it's all private now. Mind you, I was about six years old when this happened. One day, my father became ill and was rushed to the hospital. They found that one of his intestines had ruptured. Doctors were baffled as to the cause, but regardless, they saved his life. After a couple weeks in the hospital and recovery, he came home to our on-base duplex. Next door neighbor heard about what happened and was actually shocked. Said that the same thing has happened to at least three other people that lived in that exact unit. Three that he knew about anyway. We had only lived there for less than a year before my father's incident. Strange thing is, no one else in our household was affected or had anything similar happen. The past tenants that the same thing happened to, were also all the enlisted party of the family. No one else in the house, in all families had problems with a ruptured intestine. All four people this had happened to were all in the time frame of about five years. The other weird part about it, is that all three people had different jobs so this didn't appear to be an occupational hazard at all. One was an office worker, my father and two others did work on aircraft, but my father did calm nav, one was a fuel troop, and not sure about the other. So exposure to some chemical or environmental event, doesn't seem to be the factor in this. The base housing was built in the early to mid-1940s. It's now low-income housing. But it only really appeared to be our unit that had anything like this happen. Coincidence? Something about the house that would cause this? Not sure, but it does strike me as odd. I work as a field biologist, and this last summer I had what I would call my closest experience with the paranormal. We would drive around on ATVs all night with spotlights looking for prairie chickens. One night my boss and I were working together, our coworkers were at another site about five miles away and we'd made plans to meet up if either of our groups finished up in our respective areas. Anyways, it's about four o'clock in the morning, very dark out and my boss and I both noticed the grass on a hilltop opposite us was illuminated, as though someone had parked their truck on the other side and turned their brights on lighting up their side of the hill. It was coming from the direction and general distance our trucks were from us, so my boss and I decided to head that way assuming our co-workers were meeting up with us. We drive the half mile to the hilltop, when we finally crest, all we see are the reflectors of our parked trucks in the distance. No lights, No vehicles, nobody nearby. Mind you, we were working in incredibly remote areas in Wyoming. The roads in and out were treacherous, there's no possible way someone snuck a truck in and out to spook us without us seeing them. This was prairie, we could see everything around us for miles. We saw that light, but now it was nowhere to be seen. Anyways, that was weird. Someone sketchy is walking around my neighborhood which is in a semi-large town, 44 thousands, and we don't live in the best neighborhood. Not sure what they are up to but I thought I heard someone walk by me a few times but couldn't see anyone, I was outside gardening lol. It was 12.30 am. Then I took a call from my daughter. In order to not wake everyone, we have thin walls and neighbors close by, I started walking away from the houses towards this large empty lot. As I'm walking, I thought I heard a noise so I turned around and started heading back towards my house and saw this shadowy figure holding a super tiny light of some kind. As soon as they saw me turn around and start walking back in their direction, they ducked behind this big bush. I made a comment to my daughter that someone moseyed on behind this big bush real quick in front of me but still thought maybe they lived at the house the bush was in, and that they were cutting through to a back door or something. But a few seconds after I said that to my daughter, the person hopped out from behind the bush in an almost exaggerated fashion and started walking directly towards me. Not sure what the hell that was all about but I didn't stick around to find out. I cut through the empty lot at a diagonal to get back to my house. Update: I was really on edge after that but trying to finish moving some flowers I had already pulled. I was working on the front side of my house. The house is on a semi-busy street and the same one the person had come from before hopping into the bush. As soon as I was done with the front, I went to the side of the house because I had about 10 plants I was relocating. I was already thinking that whoever it was before, If it was me they were after, wouldn't know I had moved to the side and might be more comfortable walking right by again. About 10 minutes after I'm on the side, I see a guy walking really slow down the sidewalk directly in front of my house. He scared the shit out of me because he was only about 10 feet from me when I saw him and I even said he had scared me to death. He stopped and said well at least I got a chuckle out of you then. Then he proceeded to ask how I was doing tonight. I was polite but short and just said I was doing good, thanks. I didn't even ask how he was doing in return because it creeped me out that he had stopped to talk to me at this time of night. He then continued walking to the end of the block which is also where our lot ends, we are on a corner. I have some hedges that run parallel to the sidewalk and go from the spot I first noticed him and continue to the end of the lot. The guy keeps walking until he is past the hedges, then turns around to look at me but given the location of where I was, it would have been hard to get a clear image of me. He walked across the street to where a school is, then turned around on the other side of the street so he was now facing me. And he just stood there and stared while smoking his cigarette, the light I thought I initially saw. He stood there for a few minutes and I went in to get my son to come out with me while I finished. He is 19. When my son came out, the guy had already walked past then back again and was heading back for a second time. My son stood in the middle of the sidewalk and just kept an eye on him. He passed us and got to the end of the other side of the block. He turned around as if to see if my son was watching him still, he was. He stood there staring at us for an eerie length of time. Then B finally walked away. Around a week and a half ago, I was in Ocean City, New Jersey, and it was around midnight. I decided to take a stroll to the beach to enjoy a cigar and relax. As I gazed out over the ocean, I noticed something unusual, 14 bright objects that looked like stars. These objects were perfectly round and resembled any other star you'd see in the night sky. However, they were all flying and dancing around each other in a mesmerizing display. Some of them flickered, while most emitted a steady bright light. These objects flew in curves and circles, and at one point, they all converged closely before suddenly dispersing in all directions. I looked around hoping to find someone to ask about these mysterious objects, but there wasn't a single soul in sight. I stood there for over 10 minutes, captivated by the silent performance in the sky. Their flight patterns resembled how gnats or bugs move, with no discernible order or pattern. These objects weren't like any known aircraft, not helicopters, airplanes, satellites, meteors, or comets. One of them caught my attention when it flew towards the horizon, turned around, and rapidly approached me. It passed right by, flying westward over the beach, the Ocean City Strip, and finally disappeared into the bay far out to the west. The speed and maneuverability of these objects left me in awe. I contemplated going back to my house to fetch my phone and return to the beach to capture this extraordinary sight, but I feared they might be gone by then. The round trip would have taken too long, and I didn't want to miss anything. The next day, curious to see if anyone else had witnessed the same thing, I searched on YouTube and looked for articles about Ocean City UFO, but to my surprise, there was nothing. No videos, no articles, it seemed like nobody else had seen what I had experienced. This is the first time I've shared this encounter. While I hesitate to claim that these objects were aliens, they were undoubtedly UFOs to me, simply unidentified flying objects, as I couldn't determine their origin or nature. It remains a mystery, and I still have no idea what they were. It was the strangest and most awe-inspiring sight I've ever witnessed in my life. At the age of 11, my family moved to a large two-story house that overlooks some foothills about 30 miles west of Mount Rainier. Around 2011 I started seeing strange things there. In one instance, I was watching late night TV with my mom and had my attention caught by what looked like a really bright star in the east by the mountain. I stared at it for about three minutes before the star suddenly dropped straight down into the foothills. I stood up and shouted, scaring my mom. She didn't believe me, but I know what I saw. The second most bizarre occurrences happened after my girlfriend at the time moved in with my family. On three separate occasions. My girlfriend and I were startled by incredibly bright flashes of light in the dead of night that illuminated every corner of whatever room we were in at the time. Almost like a camera flash or a lightning strike. The only thing is, we were on the second floor of the house every time, and there were no trees or roofing near any of the windows that would have allowed someone to take a photo without a ladder, but there was nothing when I'd rush over to the windows. They also only happened on hot summer nights where there wasn't a single cloud in the sky, which rules out the possibility of lightning. We both saw the flashes every time, and could never rationalize what they could have been. I could not sleep. It was 1.41 am. I turned over to try to sleep. The next thing my body went dead, with no movement, nothing. There was no life in my body. My feet floated up and my whole body followed. I was floating upward. I could move my eyes. There was black all around me except for the lights floating past me. I could look from left to right. I looked straight up, there was a triangle-shaped object ahead of me. There were lights all under the object. I then blacked out. The next thing I know I woke up in a dark room. They placed me on a table. All of a sudden my whole body started vibrating, from head to toe. I would make a groaning sound ever so often. I could not see them but I know they were there. When I was placed back in my bed, I was waking up, feeling like I had been unconscious. The next day I was very tired. The whole week I was tired. When I woke up the next morning the thought of what had happened that night did not come to mind. I got in the shower and started praying the incident came back to me. It was so strong that it stopped my prayers. I was speechless. When they take you, you have no control. Sometimes you can see what is going on and sometimes you can't. Ever since I can remember I have been abducted many times before. They are just blocked out. Only in these last dozen years, I can remember some things about the abductions. I cannot remember the day or time but this abduction was the one that changed me forever. This happened in 2014. I was watching television, and the next second the power went off all over the house. My TV has to reboot so I didn't want to wait and I just turned it off. The next thing I know I was floating out of my room. When they were taking me it was well lit. I was lying on a table and they were standing on either side of me. There seemed to be one on the right side of my head as I was floating out from where they had taken me. I woke up in my bed I still couldn't move my body but I could move my head. I looked towards my bedroom door and saw the shadow of an alien. The head was large the arms were long and thin the hands were thin with long thin fingers. I yelled out because I thought it was my son. I kept calling his name and no one answered. When I first yelled out the alien stood still, he did not move. I started to get frustrated because I thought it was my son and I wasn't getting an answer. The next minute there was a flash of light coming from where the being was standing and he was gone. I got up and went to my son's room and he was asleep. It wasn't him who cast that shadow. The next morning I was on the road in front of my job. There was a sheriff's car parked between two buses. I drove on into the parking lot and was backing up to park. There was only one car parked on the left of me. I started texting my daughter a message. I looked up there were two joggers running right next to my car. They ran so close they could have hit my car. They ran together as if they were sewn together. I could not see their faces. I never saw them coming or going. It hasn't happened since. It was kind of strange for that to happen. After my abduction, I have an allergic reaction to something they used on me. I have had posterior bleeding and severe pain in my female organs. The pain is so severe I can't walk and it travels from there to my rear. I have seen apparitions. I have seen dark figures in my room. I have had ear ringing when certain aircraft fly over. I see flashes of light at night when I'm out. I have learned to ignore them. I can be driving and don't know how I got from point A to B. My daughter would hear strange noises coming from my room like operating room sounds. My TV would turn itself off sometimes. It's been nine years and I still suffer the horrific effects of that one abduction. I live in Fayetteville, North Carolina. This abduction occurred in January 2014. So I'm a 25 years old female and this strange thing happened to me just this afternoon. I often take nice and relaxing strolls through the forest on Sundays together with my dad, which is some kind of tradition since my childhood and today was no exception. Sometimes my uncle joins us on those strolls and today he did so too. We walked down one of our usual paths and at a split of the path we met some old man my dad and uncle obviously knew. The man was walking the opposite direction back towards the village. They did some small talk and then we headed further along the path through the forest, my dad and uncle being a bit ahead of me and talking to each other while I took some photos of the beautiful nature around us, in the process walking a bit slower than them and stopping a few times. There were a few times I was a good distance behind them, which at that point I didn't realize that it could have been dangerous. At some point on the path we turned to head back home and as we walked a bit I stopped for a moment to take a picture of the trees next to the path. Then after taking the picture I, for some reason, looked a bit left and was absolutely shocked the moment I turned my head, because, farther in the forest, leaned against one of the trees, stood that old man we'd met before, absolutely still, just staring intensely back at me without any movement and without saying a word. After the initial shock I decided to just look away and keep on walking, not daring to look behind us most of the way back. I didn't tell my father or uncle about it, but it was just such a weird experience. What scares me the most about it is that I don't have any real explanation, as to why that man had been following us and even more why he was doing so not on the path but just within the forest. And if he didn't have anything creepy in mind, why he didn't say anything but just stare. I'm just so glad that I wasn't walking alone. This happened almost 15 years ago when I was 7. My best friend's mom would babysit my brother and I before and after school. My mom would usually drop us off at her house around 6 AM, she would make us breakfast, and the three of us would walk to our elementary that was less than 10 minutes away. For preface, we would walk through an adjacent neighborhood, through this small wooded area that had an enclosed bridge, and that led us to the back of our elementary. The elementary sits back in a long tree line that runs about half a mile north and another mile south. Anyways, we're about to get to the turn where we walk into the tree line to the bridge and this guy comes cruising down the street. At first I don't even think we noticed him considering how young we were. But right when he's about 10 feet away from us he slows down to virtually zero miles per hour. There was nothing that stood out about his appearance either. He was middle age, white male, very generic? Well, we all stare at the car and start walking super slowly. If we stop he would stop, if we walk he would slowly go. During this whole ordeal he has a blank expression on his face. Not anger, no smirk. Just this sinister deadness almost. This went on for probably 5 minutes because we were too scared he'd jump out of the car if we turned our backs on him and I was mainly scared for my little brother. Finally, he speeds off and we run the rest of the way to school. Immediately go to the principal's office and at this point we are bawling. We gave them our version of the story, his description, and whatever else a 7 year old is actually capable of giving. They take action by calling the cops and our parents. The cops come and we explain where it happened and the story again. Then our parents ended up taking us out of school. From then on, we weren't allowed to walk to school anymore and our babysitter would take us. The reason this ended up being so creepy is because apparently there had been reports around the time of a guy who would sit under the bridge we walked over right by the school and watch people they didn't know if he was homeless or if it was this other guy who we encountered. They never caught the guy and we never saw him again. Whether this was a more sinister encounter than we thought or he was just bored? We will never know. I do know how bizarre it was though. Who stares at children that intently while driving by. He even turned his head around as he was driving. By his chance of luck, no other cars drove by during this whole situation. But weirdo driver, Let's not ever meet again.